Good morning, everybody. Wait a minute. All right, so I feel like I still got still to gotta give a little bit of instruction. So it's a, a little bit of a talk back sort of thing. So I, I'll like looking for response. So good morning, everybody. Morning. There we go. All right. So Annie's job is to tell you what is going on in the church and to warm up the crowd, right? It's like, good job. She did a great job. Um, and since you're all warm and you're loving to see each other, please do join us for the after party today. I mean, the vision is just to get to know somebody. And there is free Italian soda. So if you're like, I don't have any money, it's totally free. And I want you to know that today, very specially, Heidi and I made homemade blackberry syrup from blackberries out of our own yard, which I picked with my own hands. I only licked them a little bit in the process. And so the blackberry, ask for blackberry, and there's at least one bottle. Did we bring two bottles, Heidi, or just one bottle? Oh, okay. So, and I just want to warn you that the second bottle may be a bottle that was a wine bottle because we didn't have any more bottles to put the syrup in. So it's not wine that we're putting in your cup. It's actually blackberry juice. Okay. Okay. Clear? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we are continuing our ser- uh, series uh, called Wrecked, Wrecked for Anything Less. And what we're really talking about is it's just an experience with God, having a Christian life with God that is, is so powerful. The experience is so overwhelmingly powerful that you are wrecked for anything less. You're wrecked for the mundane. You're wrecked for the, just the boring everyday, day-to-day, getting up in the morning, brushing your hair, hopefully your teeth, going to class and coming home sort of life. That you want a life of adventure with Jesus that's like none other. And that's really what we've been talking about. And, and we, we've, I shared last week that the, the key right, to this whole thing is that one word. Can anybody remember what that one word is? Yes, it was like a double thing. Like, you could say, yes, I remember the word. It was yes. Uh, So, thanks, Kelly, for shouting that out there. The one word that makes all of this possible is the word yes. It's giving your yes to Jesus. It's giving your yes to God. When God calls, you say, yes, I will go. When God says, would you encourage this person today? You're like, yes, I I will do that. We want to get to a place where we give Jesus our yes before he even asks. Okay, now that's a crazy place, right? Because you're like... I got things to do this morning. I asked Audrey to talk about the icon because for a while, actually, we thought somebody stole it. <laughs> it just disappeared. And it might have happened. I don't know. And it's, for some people, it's a little weird, but it's an ancient part of Christian history, and we want to bring it out to remind us that we are a part of something bigger, and then this is Jesus here. So I said, Audrey, would you, would you do that? Or would you do me a favor, Audrey? And he says, well, that depends on what the favor is. I'm not saying yes before you tell me what it is. And this whole series is about giving God that yes, you know, before he even asks, you know. It's like, so we're still working on it, right, Audrey? Oh, yes. There it is. You have learned that there is a difference between me and Jesus, and it's not just the haircut. Right. Okay. So uh, we're going to continue that. That's, that's kind of a recap of where we've been so far. Um, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 today. And we're primarily rooting ourselves in the book of Acts, and we're using that as a launching pad to go other places. But the book of Acts is about the early church and what happened when they said yes to Jesus. I will go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and they say yes to the things that the Holy Spirit asks of them and what happens. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3. So if you've got a blue Bible, the ones that are in the aisles there, it has really tiny print and it's a little dark in here, so kind of hard to read. But that's on page 531 if you need to. Encourage you, open your phones, open your Bibles, whatever you need to do. Just don't, uh, don't Facebook or play Candy Crush while we're talking. <laughs> All right. 
So have you guys ever been in a rush? Yes. Not for a while. Some of you are, were in a rush this morning. I mean, I saw you coming in at quarter after, you know, when services started. They're in the third song, and you're like sneaking in the back. And, you know, we, we, we have to rush around sometimes, right? It's hard to get up in the morning. One of the things that I've noticed about Pullman, and Stephen and I, uh, one of our new, new members here, was uh, riding in the car this morning. goes, on Sunday morning, nobody is up. I'm like, I know, everybody's sleeping, and then they rush to church, you know, they would get out of bed and rush to whatever they're going to, to the coffee shop. Or Sunday, actually, sometimes the one day it slowed down, because Monday hits us, and then we're really in a rush, right? We wake up in the morning, we're like running out of the house, we've got a bagel stuffed in our mouth, we're headed to work, we're headed to school, we're looking for the coffee. We're just a fast-moving culture, right? As the, the school year picks up, right? That speed just begins to pick up and it goes faster and faster and faster until about Thanksgiving time, you're ready for that break because you're just <laughs> rushing and trying to catch up all the time. And it's just busy and we're, we're just stressed out as a culture because of the speed at which we live. Our minds are in motion when we wake up first thing in the morning. Sometimes we go to bed at night and we can't shut it down and we're awake until 3 a.m. and we're just tired. And so I come to you and I tell you, Jesus wants to give you a life of adventure that is like no other. And all you have to do is give him your yes. You're like, I can't say yes to anything else in my life. It is full. It stresses me out when you ask me to say yes to something else. It feels like I come to church and all you want me to do is more. I want you to take a class. Would you go to a small group Bible study? Would you also take EHS and EHR? Why don't you serve? Why don't you teach Sunday school? Why don't you also come to the after parties? Like, we can add, like, see, this is my life. This is what I do. I go to all these classes. I read the Bible study, meet with people. That's what I do. That's my whole life. And it sounds like I'm saying, guys, I know you have a whole life of your own, I know you're going to university, I know you've got a business, I know you've got this or that or the other thing, I just need you to say yes to some more so that my life can be validated. <laughs> it's what it feels like I'm asking you to do, is to add more to your schedule. So today's message is actually very counterintuitive to what we've been talking about. Today's message is actually about slowing down. Today's message is actually about what happens when we slow our pace down enough that we can actually give God our yes. Some of us, we need some of these street signs in our lives. Slow. Slow children, no hunting. Slow children playing. You know, I see these things all the time, and I think, what? Slow? Slow children? But, you know, it, these are meant to be funny. You can chuckle. It's okay. We got serious for half a second there, a hot second, and, uh, and then I put that there. So the counterintuitive thing that Jesus wants to talk to us about is slowing down. There was a gal who wrote a blog recently who did a, what's called the yes experiment. You ever heard of this, the yes experiment? She decided that for 10 days, she was going to say yes to anything, God, anything anybody asked of her, right? Anything that anybody asked, she was going to say yes. Her husband was very happy. After four days, <laughs> seven of you got that, her... Her, after four days, she was feeling crazy, okay? Four days, she was feeling crazy. And here's, what, what, here's some of the things that after 10 days that she had said yes to. She said yes to buying lottery tickets, chewing gum, and bread at the gas station. So, you know, you go in and you get your gas. Would you like some lottery tickets? Yes. Would you like a soda? Yes. So she bought a whole bunch of stuff at the, at the, at the gas station. She didn't need any of it and didn't even gamble. She just said yes. 
Uh, She sent money to a stranger who asked her on Facebook. She took three new major work projects that were going to require extra hours that she didn't have and that were outside of her skill set and her training and her experience and her work goals, like way out of the norm for her. Uh, She listened to eight telemarketers equaling 19 hours of time. She got an extra phone line and purchased a timeshare in 10 days of saying yes to everything that came at her. Saying yes to everything is crazy, and we need to slow down instead. So we're going to take a minute. We're going to take a minute before we dive into the scripture to just slow down, okay? Just slow down and to listen what Jesus has for us. Would you guys would just put yourself in a, just a, would you just relax? Some of you are all tense. I don't know, maybe I'm tense, but you guys just need to relax. Just, let's look, maybe put our hands in our lap for a second. Would you just do that? Like sit down your Bible, sit down your phone, whatever you have. Just, just put your hands in your lap. Let's, let's all just close our eyes, as long as you promise not to fall asleep. Just close your eyes. Let's all take one big deep breath and let it out. Jesus, we just want to slow down and hear from you today. So God, we ask that you would speak to us that you would cut through the strain and the stress and the hurries of our life, that we would experience you in this moment. Let's just take one more deep breath, and we're breathing in the presence of God right now. Ready? Let's just breathe out all of our anxiety. Let's say amen together. Amen. Amen. So you've got your Bibles now in Acts chapter 3, right? I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. And if you're looking actually in your Bible, you'll notice that this is at an odd break in how they divide this up. But just know that in the original, there actually is no punctuation and no breaks. It's just words straight through. So they've made up where the breaks are in here to try to help us. So now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a, lame, a man, lame from birth, was carried, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. That's a weird thing to say. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognizing him as, one, as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's, or Solomon's porch. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we have made him walk? Jesus, I pray that you would teach us from your word today in your name. Amen. So this passage is about healing, right? 
primarily it is about healing. There is no culture in the world where healing is not shocking, especially a healing like this. We have a man who was born at birth, which is when everybody is born. (laughs) Just clarifying that. Who was born at birth with legs and ankles and feet that were misshapen and weak and did not work. He had never walked in his life. You could imagine this person, like in his own home, he's dragging himself from place to place, dragging himself up onto chairs. And in their society, there is no, uh, you know, handicap accessibility, right? They don't have, they don't have elevators. They don't have special work for people like that. They just, the only way to survive is to beg. And so he has a mat and he has a family and friends that will take him to the temple each day because everybody that goes to the temple to worship God is bound by duty, by honor, to give to the people who are there and in need. You can kind of imagine this today a little bit um, if you were to drive uh, to Spokane. And you, or let's say you're coming home from Spokane in the evening, six, seven o'clock, and you're taking the exit onto I-90, not I-5, I-90, and you're headed back home down here, and right there underneath the bridge, there is usually sitting there one or two or three very ragged homeless people with little signs, right? They say, you know, anything helps. Prayers, please, which they really mean money, too. And, you know, they're like, anything you can do to help us. And they just sit there, and some of them are mentally unstable. Some of them are handicapped. Some of them are just broken and alcoholic and drug addicted. We don't know. Some of them have had all sorts of problems in their lives that have led them to this place where this is all they've got left. And they sit and they beg on the side of the road. That's what this man is. The big difference is, is in the society of the first century, believers in God, in Yahweh, we're bound by honor and duty to give to those in need, and today we're not. Today we're bound to judge and to misunderstand and to not help, and, and sometimes we, we think that this, is gonna, this help will hurt, and sometimes it will. So we look the other way. But in this case, something very, very different happened. Instead of looking away, Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' followers, Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times, John, the one who was Jesus' best friend, who was in charge of taking care of Mary, his mom, Jesus' mom, they were together and they were going to the temple to pray. It says it was at the ninth hour, which is actually late at night. And if you study the temple uh, process, what was going on was absolutely nothing. Nothing was happening at the temple. So Christians were coming to the temple to pray and to worship at this time. And so this man is about to go home because the temple's closing down, right? 7-Eleven is closed. There's no more Slurpees tonight, so I'm going home. And Peter and John are going, hey, we're going to the temple. We're going to pray, and, and other Christians are going to join them. And people begin to gather, and Peter and John look, and they turn, and they see this man on his mat. The man says, well, you give me some alms. Give me, give me the money that you, know, you are honor-bound to give so that I can survive. Take care of me. And Peter and John, I love this. It says, Peter saw him, and John also. It's like this one one at a time. I think it's because Peter was an extrovert and John was an introvert. There's like all kinds of stuff about this. But Peter is like really outgoing. He's looking around. He sees stuff. And John's like, oh, yeah, me too. (laughs) And they look and they see him. And Peter's response to him is incredible. He says, I don't have any silver and gold. You guys ever walked up, I mean, driven up to the the, the homeless people and you think, oh, I think the last time we were there, we're like, we were going to make care packages. We got nothing. And we just have to drive on. We, I, I've got nothing to give you. And Peter is like, 
checking his pockets. I got nothing. Then he says, well, I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. But what I have, I give to you. Rise up and walk. I just can't hardly imagine that moment. Can you? Where like, first of all, that it even crosses Peter's mind to say that. I mean, it doesn't ever cross my mind to go to a person in a wheelchair and just be like, rise up and walk. Like, how audacious is that? I mean, what happens if he like rises up and then falls right back down? How embarrassing would that be? And be like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know? Rise up and walk. And he says it with power and with authority. And the Holy Spirit does something in this moment. And the man's legs reform and reshape and become strong again. Not even again, for the first time. And he stands up. He doesn't know what balance is. You know the process it takes for a baby to learn how to walk? It takes years, right? Years. Some of us still can't do it very well. And this man, in a moment, boom, rises up and walks. How cool is that? There is not a culture in the world where that would not be shocking. There is not a circumstance that has ever taken place where that would not be out of the normal. It is supernatural, right? Why did it happen? I mean, why? Precisely, to glorify God. See, in the book of Acts, and throughout the New Testament, and throughout church history, and even today, God uses signs and wonders and the miraculous to advance his kingdom. And he wants you and I to be a part of it. See, this crippled man was looking to their pockets to be provided for. But Peter and John said, my pockets got nothing for you, pal. But what I have, I give to you. And he gives, through the power of God, his, his ability to walk. And you see what happens? So Peter and John come and everybody's gathering. Like All of his friends saw it happen. People that were milling around in the city square there saw it happen. People that knew this man saw him walking, and they're like, what is going on? And it says the people all gathered around them, and they're in this place called Solomon's Porch. It's just outside the edge of the temple, and there is thousands of people now are coming together. People are like shouting, and they're coming out of their shops, and they're coming out of their homes where they've gone in for the evening, and suddenly thousands of people have gathered in the street, and Peter says, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? wasn't me it was Jesus it wasn't me I didn't do it it was Jesus he points to Jesus and the scripture later on says that at the end of all of this it's kind of really this is amazing at the end of this whole story 5,000 people believed in Jesus because of this one miracle and it wasn't just the miracle that did it either it was really cool because he does the miracle the miracle happens, God shows up, this guy's walking, and everybody is praising God, and they're saying, whoa, and he's, Peter says, Jesus did this. Wasn't my, my piety, I am not you know, a good enough person. It is not my power that did this, it's the power of Jesus, the risen Christ. And people begin to believe him, but the temple leaders, they hear what's this commotion, they show up, and they're like, we can't have him preaching in the name of Jesus here, so they arrest them. <laughs> Doesn't that seem dumb? Like, it just, they, like, prayed for a man and he's walking and we're like well you're under arrest for making that guy walk and they take him and put him in jail and the next morning they start questioning him and the religious leaders are all together and Peter and John again Peter stands up and he preaches to this group of people and because they were put in jail more people paid attention 
And when Peter and John preached to the temple leaders, some of the temple leaders believed. And they said, you guys have to be quiet. You can't. And they said, hey, judge for yourself whether it's right for us to say what God has done and to say what God is telling us, to say yes to God or to say yes to you. And they walked away and 5,000 people come to faith because of one miracle, one moment where silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you. Rise up and walk. How many of you would like to be a part of something like that? I mean, how many of you would have like something in your body that needs to be healed. And you would love to receive the healing power of Jesus to touch you and to heal you. Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe. How many of you would like to have a person nearby you that has something going on in their body and you want to reach over and be able to just lay your hand on them and have the Holy Spirit's power flow through you in such a way that you can say, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you, be healed in the name of Jesus, and you see them be healed. How many want to see that? Yeah. We all do. We all do. What would it be like for you to have that happen? What would that do for your prayer life? What would it do for your faith? What would it do for you in telling your story to other people? What would it do for you for sharing your faith? What would it do for God and his kingdom? Imagine how different your life would be if you were operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and that was taking place on campus. Solomon's portico was just outside the temple. I mean, we're talking about the mall, ladies and gentlemen. This is where everybody hung out and they bought all kinds of stuff. There was money being exchanged. There was just cultures coming and going. People come to look at the temple. It's a, it's a tourist site. This is the mall at WSU. This is, this is, this is downtown Pullman. This is probably not the, the mall in Moscow, but probably more like, you know, the major malls in Seattle. There's lots of people, and this takes place, and God's kingdom advances. It would radically transform our faith, and it would radically transform the faith of those around us, and we would be living in a, in a way, a mode of being that was just excited and passionate and, and, and full of wonder and awe. And that's actually what it says of the early church. And all the believers were filled with awe and wonder at these things. They were just glorifying God all the time because of what was going on around them. It would be amazing. Now, I have prayed for people and have experienced a few miracles. I've, I've seen people, their backs healed. When we were, just actually after we left our uh, Boise, the next day we get a text from the team that said there was a person on the street that one leg was shorter than the other and it was causing all these scoliosis and back pain and they prayed for them and their leg literally grew. Okay, that happened the day after we were in Boise. Don't know why. I guess we didn't pay the extra admission to see that one. But it happens and I want to see it happen more in my life, and I want to see it happen in your life and in our church. I know it's weird. That's the point, right? I, I know it was like, we're educated people. We're like, oh, science and medical science, and God heals people through medications, and God does heal people through medications. Thank Jesus for doctors, but thank Jesus for Jesus because he can heal us. Now I'm off script. <laughs> So how do we get here? Keep going. Okay. How do we get there? How do we position ourselves for miracles? Because the deal is that we can't make God move, right? 
God is sovereign. He has a plan. Sometimes that sovereign plan involves people not being healed, and sometimes it involves people being healed, and I can't parse that out, and I don't understand. I know that there are no magic words. I know that there is no amount of, of, of being a good person. I know that there is no amount of, of prayer that just makes things happen, that it is God's sovereign will and his power that causes this stuff. And I also know that when it happens, it's not about us. It's about his kingdom advancing. It's about Jesus. Like, that is, that's a radical thing to say. It is always about Jesus, right? We've got to start using that name just a little bit more, not like, you know, when you stub your toe, but like, because there's power in that name. Because God still does miracles, and he's still advancing his kingdom, and he still wants to use you and I to be a part of it. So the lesson for us is actually in the second miracle that took place in this passage. I hope you saw it but you probably didn't. That second miracle was two human beings with an agenda, with a plan, with goals, with things that they were doing who slowed down and saw. They were going to the temple. They were going to pray. They were, they, if you read Acts chapter 2, it says, you know, they were, they were talking about their habits. They gathered together in the temple every day to pray. They were teaching in the temple every day. They were gathering in each other's homes to eat, and they were uh, worshiping God at all times. It was like they were eating, they were praying, they were connecting, they were doing small groups, they were doing classes. They, were, they had all this church life going on, and these are two of the leaders of this with thousands of people. They were busy guys. They were busy. They had their day planners were packed. And they're like, next on the agenda is to go to the temple and pray. It's 9 o'clock. Before I go crash for the night, I'm going to pray, which is a good thing. It's not easy for us to change our agendas, is it? Like when we've got, this is what i got to do today. This is, what I, this is my work schedule for this week. This is my, my plan for the day, what i got to do. You know, i got to do work in the yard. i got to make dinner. i got to take care of the kids. i got to go to work and do this list of tasks. We have multiple tasks, lists, and we're doing all these things. And we, we can't just change. It's really difficult. It's not easy for us to change. Often at night, my brain is uh, on my work day. And my kids will come to me, Dad, I want to show you this. Dad, would you look at this? Dad, would you read to me? Dad, would... And I can't tell you how many times I'm like, well, just a minute, I've got to finish this thing. Or just a minute, let me finish this text. Just a minute, let me go. And then the kid is gone, and I look up, and I'm like, where'd you go? And they're off playing and doing something else. And you know what happens in that, that when that happens? I miss the moment. And I don't know if you were like me, but when it comes to miracles and when it comes to a move of God in the world and in the church and in my life, I don't want to miss the moment. Would you say that with me? I don't want to miss the moment. I don't. I don't want to miss the moment. So it seems counterintuitive to say yes to God, but to slow down, because that's what we're being invited to. Sometimes to say yes to God, we have to say no to other things. We have to say no to other things. It was a miracle that these busy men and men, guys, let's just be honest, we're worse at this than women are, right? Because we're task-oriented, usually, less relationship-oriented. And, you know, guys, we're just like, got to get it done, got to get it done. And these two men, miracle of miracles, saw someone who was not on their agenda. And they slowed down long enough to see him. I'm trying to figure out which page I'm on. I'm on this one. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. They had something to do. And Peter directed his gaze. At, he was, 
He's not, he wasn't head down going here. He looked up and he saw. And then John did too. It's a miracle. One of the things that we learned on our mission trip was we're, we're going to teach you guys this. And we're even going to do this in, in a few, few weeks. Okay, It's called treasure hunting. And what you do is you sit down and you pray with some friends. And you say, Jesus, you treasure people. They are your greatest treasure in this world, and we just want to, God, see the treasure that you have for us to find in this world and to be an encouragement, to pray for them, to bless them. If it's praying for healing, great. If it's just, you know, you know God is with you today and he sees you, that is great. Whatever it is you have for us, would you just show us who that person is? And it's bizarre, okay, because you sit down and you pray that prayer and you're just silent, and all of a sudden your head is filled with, like, pictures of people. Really weird. And you begin to just describe what you see. And then you go look for them. You go look for them. And you find them. Okay? So we came back from Boise. And I'm like, God, I, wanna, I wanna, just want to keep going on that. Would you just... It was this early morning, which, you know, okay, I'm not pious. I don't like to get up early in the morning. I, I don't sing that song. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning, my song shall rise to thee. Early in the morning, nothing rises to God except for Z's out of me. But sometimes Jesus wakes me up early in the morning or I wake up and my brain is going and I have a conversation with God and I'm like, Jesus, I just, I want to keep going on this. I, I want you to use me to be an encouragement to the people you treasure. So would you, and she's like, hey, I got you, man, because that's how Jesus talks to me. And he's like, I got you. And he shows me this picture of a man in a black t-shirt with a black hat. And I'm like, well, that's kind of general. And he's like, no, no, look close at the face. And I saw a face. A very, very specific face. I'm like, okay, well, that's enough. I'm pretty sure that was from Jesus. And I get up in the morning and go about my day. And it was a, I think it was a Thursday. We were having a staff meeting at an odd time during the week. And um, I was going to bring coffee to the staff because I'm really awesome. And so I'm going to Cafe Moro to buy coffee for the staff and to bring it and to encourage them and say, you guys are amazing. Here's a coffee. Be caffeinated. Do more for Jesus. And, and, I'm, in the, and I'm talking to Tyson, and he's making the coffees, and it's, it's a miracle right there. When God, Tyson makes coffee, it is... So, amen. Yeah. So he makes these coffees in a Cubano, right, Stephen? Yeah. He's like, he goes, I have never had coffee like this. And it was like, so we're making the coffees, and I'm talking to Tyson, and I get the coffees. I'm like, hey, and I look at my watch. I don't have a watch. I looked at my phone, and I said, I am like five to 10 minutes late for staff meeting. Got to go. I turn around, and guess what? There's Black Hat Man. And I'm like, poop. Jesus. What is this all about? You gave me this guy to encourage, but you gave him to me when I'm 10 minutes late for my staff meeting and I'm holding four delicious hot coffees that need to be delivered to my friends, the staff. And I thought, well, you know what? It must be that Jesus just wants me to pray for him. So I, I walked right past him and I prayed, Jesus, would you just... That was absolutely embarrassing to tell you. I missed the moment because I had an agenda. Because I had to get somebody where... I couldn't slow down long enough to, to just engage this man and his girlfriend who was with him. Thank God for grace, right? Thank God that he wasn't like, well, that's it, Jamie. I'm never using you again. You blew that one. Who knows? God's so sovereign. He might have been like, I'll show you this person. We'll see if you stop. I don't, I don't know, you know. He probably brought somebody else into his life. He's probably out there, and I've been praying for him ever since. Maybe I'll meet him. Maybe I won't. But there's this learning curve when we give God our yes and we invite him to use us. There's this learning curve of saying no to other things. 
of saying no to our agendas, saying no to our busyness, saying no to our hurry, saying no to our anxiety, sometimes saying no to our schoolwork, sometimes saying no to our work work, sometimes saying no to our family, sometimes saying no to church, sometimes saying no to ourselves and our own interests so that we have space long enough to stop and say, okay, my agenda is this, but I got to say no so I can say yes to what God wants to do right now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is really, really difficult. It's so hard. You can do it. But it's difficult. But you can do it. I can do it. And I'm learning to do it. We have to set our, you know, the, the business culture says set your priorities and your agenda for the day. And we need to get to a place where our priorities are really what God's priorities are. It's not that my priorities become God's priorities, you know. God, if today you would just help me with my agenda, it's kind of the other way around. Jesus is out there going, here's my agenda for the day. Ron, can you help out with some of this? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to make space for that today. I'm going I'm to put time in between things. I'm not going to rush about so that there is just this moment of time where I could actually enjoy my conversation with Tyson, and I can turn and have 10 minutes before I need to be at the next thing and minister to somebody as God brings them into my path. That's the first way we got to slow down. We just got to give ourselves more time and space to say yes, which means saying no to packing our agendas. It means saying no to the hurry and stress and rush of life. It means patently refusing to allow a busy, anxious culture to set the pace of our lives. And the only way we get to do that, the only way we can make that happen is that if we begin by first slowing down to be with Jesus. At, as uh, Peter and John are before the council, and they are preaching like, why? This is what happened. This is the good thing that happened that you've arrested us for, and it's because of Jesus. The council, it says this about them. It's in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when they, the council, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, just a bunch of Yahoo and rabble, who are actually really eloquent and seem to know what they're talking about and doing amazing things, says they were astonished. And then it's, this, is, this is this, you might want to circle this in your Bible, underline it, write it on your hand. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. And do people encounter you that way at the coffee shop? Man, that person's been with Jesus. That person's got something going on. They've been with God. Now, many of you may not recognize this, but um, the whole reason that Jesus appointed 12 disciples in the beginning was that so those 12 men might be with him. That's from Mark chapter 3, verse 14. It says, Jesus appointed 12, whom he named apostles, so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Notice two things here. The first reason that they were called and chosen was that they would be with Jesus. Not that they would work for him, not that they would get his agenda done, not that they would accomplish anything, but that they would be with him. Just be with Jesus. And then, secondly, that he might send them out and to preach. After being with Jesus, they're sent out to serve. Our being with Jesus, our having a relationship with him, our spending time with Jesus, face-to-face, over a cup of coffee, listening being listened to, that is what fuels and fires our doing for Jesus. We are B 
being with Jesus so that we might do for Jesus. Many of us, we run out there and we're doing for Jesus and we're doing for our families and we're doing for, for the world and for our work and we're doing, 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 accomplishing tasks, getting things done. And we're working and we're moving so fast, it outpaces our being with Jesus. And if we are going to be a people who position ourselves for miracles, if we are going to be a people who encounters the living God in a touch, our being with Jesus is what fires are doing. Our doing for Jesus flows out of being with Jesus. And I want you all to know that you are all doing for Jesus, whether you are a, a pastor or not. If you are working somewhere, you are doing that work for Jesus. Do everything as unto the glory of God. Do everything as you are doing it for Jesus. We are all full-time ministers, every single one of us. I am not the only one. We are all full-time ministers. And so all of us doing everything for the glory of God, that doing has to come out of our being with Jesus. Let me illustrate what I mean. I want to give somebody $100. Does anybody want $100? K.O., would you just come on up here and get this $100? I'm going to give you. Ah, shoot, K.O. All I got is a dollar. That's all right. I'll take it. Okay. That's all I got for you. I wanted to give you $100. I'd rather have you pray for me. Well, I'll, I'll do that later. Well, I'll do that, but i got to finish the sermon. Otherwise, I'm like, we could be here all day. Do you guys see what just happened there? I wanted to give $100, but all I had was a buck. We want to give the world something good, but we can't give what we don't have. We can't give what we have not received. We cannot give out of what, we, we, that's poverty, right? We're trying to give out of poverty. We're trying to serve out of poverty. We're trying to, to be a light in the world, to give God our yes out of poverty. And yes, you know what's a miracle is that the Holy Spirit comes in and fills us in ways that is just miraculous. But we got to slow down, folks. we got to be with Jesus. we got to seek the Spirit. we got to seek His face so that we have something to give. Where am I even at? Without Jesus, I've got nothing. Silver and gold, I have not. I've got nothing. But what I have, I give to you. And I cannot give what I do not have. When it comes to miraculous, and everything that we do is miraculous, right? Resisting temptation is a miracle. Uh, and so is raising up the dead. Having a slowed down schedule so we have space is a miracle. Seeing people that God wants to encourage and to love is a miracle. Everything is a miracle. To have that miraculous life and to walk in it, we cannot give what we do not have. So we have to slow down and be with Jesus. Silver and gold I have not, but, I love that but, what I do have I give to you. Peter had power because he had been with Jesus. You can have power through being with Jesus. And it's not just wielding a name, right? In the name of Jesus, it's not even just wielding that name that does it. Later in the book of Acts, there's this story about these guys, the Seven Sons of Sceva. Sounds like a punk band. I think actually it was a punk band. Seven Sons of Sceva. You know, and there's these, they're, they're not even Christians, but they've seen Peter and John and other people like performing miracles in the name of Jesus. And so they go to this guy who is possessed by many demons. Okay, he's very violent. He's very vile. He curses and shouts and beats up people. It's pretty awful. And they come up to him and they say, in the name of Jesus that Paul uses, come out of him. And the demons speak through this man and say, Jesus I know, 
Peter I have heard of, but who the heck are you? And then they jump on all seven. One guy on seven and beats the snot out of them, okay? They didn't have power because they hadn't been with Jesus. They hadn't received the power that God places on them when we wait upon the Lord. Their doing for God was not flowing out of their being. It was flowing out of what seemed like a good idea. We got the sword. It's Jesus' name. Whack! It doesn't work that way. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. It's not apart from just the name of Jesus. It's not from, apart from the name of Christian. It's not apart from the name of the church I go to. It's apart from Jesus. I can do nothing. Therefore, slow down to be with Jesus. We've been talking about slowing down for a long time. We sat with the council and the staff, and we went through some, some uh, material to help us kind of assess how the church is doing and some habits and behaviors. And the number one thing was to slow down and be with Jesus. And I was like, yeah, we got this. We're talking about it all the time. We're doing practicing silence and Sabbath and stillness. And I brought it to the council and the staff, and they all told me to a person, yeah, we need to work on this one. We need to slow down as a church. We need to figure out how, how do we walk as a people who are being with Jesus, and that being allows us to do for Jesus. So I preached a sermon. And I hope that you will receive it as an invitation. You know, when somebody says to me, hey, Jamie, can I talk to you? I've told you this before, but what happens inside my gut is that it twists and turns into this big knot, and I want to physically throw up because it triggers for me some bad memories of people who said, hey, I want to talk to you, and then I go sit down to talk with them, like, hey, how are you doing? And then they blow up at me, right? They vomit on me. They tell me I'm doing a bad job. I'm the worst pastor ever, or I'm leaving this church, or you're fired. I've, these are the things that I have heard. <laughs> I'm serious. These are the, when I, when you talk to me? So just be careful how you say that to me. That's one thing, you know, just don't trigger me, please. That's one of my triggers. Why the heck was I even talking about this? Oh, it's an invitation. It's an invitation. So when Jesus says, hey, Masaro, I want to talk with you. When Jesus says that to me, I'm like, oh, poop. So he doesn't say that anymore. He says, hey, Jamie, I want to hang out with you. Hey, Jamie, I want to be with you. Hey, Jamie, do you want to be with me today? Hey, Jamie, why don't we start by hanging out together? We could have a cup of coffee. I know morning's so lousy for you, so... We can wait till you're in the office. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, whatever, let's find a time today. Let's just find, let's find five minutes just to sit down together. It's an invitation. It's not a, it's not a threat. It's not a, you need to do this or you're going to sink and life is going to suck. And, you know, it's, it's like, no. Jesus wants to know you. Jesus wants to advance his kingdom using miracles and signs and wonders, and he wants you to be in a place where you have received power from on high, that the Holy Spirit has entered you, and it has entered you every day and every moment, and you are listening, and you are filled, and you are empowered and supercharged, and life has purpose and meaning, and you're saying yes, and things are happening. That's what Jesus is inviting you to. He's inviting you into the book of Acts. He's inviting you into, you into a way of life in which you were wrecked for anything else. And that is exciting. Does anybody want that? Does anybody want that? I, yeah, there's, give me some of that. Yeah. I want it more than a piece of pie, and I want it more than an Italian soda. 
So, uh, Eliza. That was what we prayed this morning. We prayed that this morning, that we would give God our yes and that our fear, that our shame and our sin would not stop us because none of those things bind us anymore. On the cross, they were crucified. So it doesn't matter how sinful you are, God can still use you. Yes. Thanks for finishing the sermon for me. It is like, man, you guys are like all on the edge of your seats. and We want it. We need to receive it. We need to ask God for it. But we also need to have Italian sodas, and we need to relate and be together and love on each other in the name of Jesus because we've been with Jesus, and we've got something to give. And so I'm like, I had a whole thing that I was going to do to end this, and now it doesn't even feel right, and I don't know what we need to do. Maybe we just need to all stand up. Somebody goes, yes, that's what we need to do. We need to stand up. Jesus, I can't give these people what I don't have. I don't have any power. In fact, in the name of Jamie, nothing has ever happened. Not even in the name of Pastor Jamie, which I thought would be really awesome. But in the name of Jesus, so many things have happened in this world, and we want it. I don't have anything to give these people, but your spirit does. Your Holy Spirit does. God, you call us to seek your gifts, to seek the greater gifts, it says, Not even to seek the little ones, but to seek the ones that expand your kingdom, to seek prophecy, God, to seek healing. And so, God, we are all in different places right now. Some of us are at that place right this moment where we want to say, yes, God, I want everything that you have for me. If that is you, would you just lift up your hands right now? Father, across this room, we are lifting up our hands and we are asking for your spirit's presence and your power not contriving a moment, God, not seeking emotionalism, not seeking this emotional experience, God, that is a part of it. You engage our whole selves, our body, mind, soul, and spirit, and strength. Right now, God, we want all of you, so we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us. Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Fall upon this church. Fill us with your gifts, God. Fill us with the newness of your presence. God, may we speak in other tongues right now. God, may our our mouths be opened. May we speak things that we don't understand, but our spirit is praying. God, may we be prophesying right now, God. May your spirit speak prophecy into our minds and into our hearts. Lord Jesus, may you put the healing power upon people in this room, your spirit falling and resting. And may you bring divine encounters right now in the next 15 minutes or so as we interact with each other. God, may there be a healing and a miracle, a sign and a wonder of your goodness and your kingdom and your power right here so that we may know who you are and what you want in this world. God, may your kingdom expand because of us. May your kingdom expand because of us. We don't care about the size of our church. We don't care, God, whether we make the bills. We don't need these things. We need you. So pour out your spirit, Jesus. Jesus, pour out your spirit. And for those of us who are not ready, who are not there yet, God, to give you our yes, may you just move us a little bit. Would you just slide us down that line 
just a, just a hair. May we be drawn to you. God, may your spirit remind us this week of how much you love us. May your spirit remind us that our guilt, and our shame, our mistakes, our bondages, they don't, they don't define us, that we are, not, we are not alcoholics, that we are not sex addicts, that we are, uh, we are not hateful people, that we are not grumpy people, but that we are, we are saints saved by you and gifted for your goodness. And we maybe start to walk in that identity. May we reject the identity that the world puts on us. And we live as people empowered by your spirit. God, we pray now for our Italian sodas. <laughs> Thank you for good things. And they are a gift. May we experience your wonder in them. May we go in your power and your grace this week to be all that you've called us to be and to do everything you've called us to do. And may we experience your power as we walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you just sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Do not be afraid to pray for somebody this morning. If God puts them on your heart, pray for them. That is the step. Pray for them. And go have an Italian soda and pray for people. All right? Amen.